0: Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Jo Mandel, who is here to share her ever-evolving career journey. This is a great episode for anyone who's ever fantasized about moving cities or countries, I mean, who hasn't, and wondered how you can make it all work with partners and toddlers thrown into the mix. It's also great for anyone who's interested in learning more about what communications is, the different career paths within comms, or even if you've always just wondered what it is that the communications team at your organization is responsible for. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. Jo has spent the last 10 plus years working in communications, from a brief stint in newspapers to PR agency life and two very different internal communications roles. She says she's learned just how vast the communications industry is and how you can really shape your own career based on your strengths, your interests, and life stages. Just like she is in real life, Jo is real and honest about her journey in her career and as a parent. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use as my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Welcome Joe Mandel to the All Figured Out podcast. I have known you for 15 years. You're one of my nearest and dearest. I'm so, so excited to have you on today. I actually think I'm a bit more nervous for this interview than any of the other ones I've had. Not that this has been going for that long, but I'm really excited to have you. Thank you for joining.
1: I'm so excited to be here and I'm so nervous too. Um, I've told a few of our friends like how nervous I am and they're like, why are you so nervous to go on the podcast? (laughs) And you know what? I don't know why, but (laughs) I am, but it's going to be great. They're like, you're just talking to your friend. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I think it's, you want to... I think part of it has stemmed from like knowing what your podcast is all about and hearing like all these amazing entrepreneurs or people that are finding these different unique ways of working and then thinking like, oh, I feel like I'm in this traditional kind of role and traditional kind of path and like, why is that interesting? And I think that's my own casting my own
0: self-doubt onto my experience, but it probably partially stems from that. I think most of the people listening are probably in the boring corporate. I'm like saying boring corporate because I've been in the corporate traditional path.
1: Yeah. Oh, often it is.
0: (laughs) No, but I hear you. Well, there's a reason I invited you on and it's because you have a really interesting story. You have a really interesting path. So for the audience, I know your story, but I'm sure there's going to be details that I'm going to learn about today. For those of you who don't know you, can you walk us through your career journey and how it brought you to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. So
1: started back in Toronto in my early 20s and kind of got my first big girl job right out of Queens and I graduated, moved to Toronto and moved into a condo and started working at um, the Globe and Mail where I did like a brief sort of like summer internship that rolled into a glorified still internship, but in the not actually on the editorial side of things, but more on the like advertising PR side of things within the Globe. Um, And all the while I was thinking I might pursue um, postgraduate education in journalism after my undergrad. And I was taking a year to think that through and see if it was something I wanted to do. So I thought the globe seems like a good fit where I can try things out and understand if I like it or not. And then from there, I ended up just being connected to some people at a PR agency that was downtown Toronto and ended up meeting the girls and had a really informal interview and they were saying that they were hiring a unpaid intern. So I, (laughs) you know, (laughs) took that and Oh, I think I got a stipend, a transportation stipend of like, I don't know, $15 a week or something. So I was really living. What you were rolling in it, rolling in it. Um, But I think that I don't know if it was because at the time I had so many friends that were also doing internships or just starting out that it didn't. It. I don't know. I was. I didn't really think much of it, other than like, of course, I'm not making much, and I want to earn something soon. But it was luckily short lived, and I ended up getting a full time position um, at the agency where I worked for three years. And honestly, before working at a PR agency, I didn't even know what PR was. I I didn't go to school for PR. I had never really been introduced to it through school. I didn't know through friends and. Um, that was a great way to jump in and learn. And I don't think it's a career that you necessarily have to go to school for. Like I had always loved to write and to communicate and all those things I knew about myself. So it it felt like a good fit when people were talking about it, but it wasn't something that I had any exposure to until working um, agency. And I did that for three years, which was um, so much fun and so hard. And you just, you work so much and Um, but you also get to learn a lot and that taught me a lot about myself and what I was looking for. And then ultimately I was, um, moved over to the in-house side of things, um, into the food and beverage space, which was new to me again and working in an internal communications role, which involves PR, but, uh, definitely at the size of company I was and size of team, you, you really wear a lot of hats and I think that's something I ended up liking a lot about that job. I did it for almost seven years um, and it really crossed between social and PR and marketing and comms and HR. And I found that really interesting because it was always changing and I could learn a lot about a business. Um, And then now I've been in my job for about half a year and I'm back. I'm still in-house, but definitely more back in the PR, like core PR lane. So I've done a lot of different things, but they all have a through line of of communications.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's such an interesting journey and path that you've taken. It's one that probably to you feels linear. And to me, I'm like, I don't actually know what some of those words mean. We both worked in agencies. We, we both did the internship thing. We've both worked kind of in in-house yeah. capacities. But I can still honestly say that I don't think I know what PR means and what communications means at different companies. Can you contrast that for us, especially for people out there who might be considering what they want to do next? And maybe PR or comms has been something that they've been intrigued by. So there's there's PR at an agency. There's PR kind of in-house, like what you're doing. There's internal comms. Could you define some of those pieces for us?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Based on your experience. Based on my experience, different. when you're in sort of the PR-focused part of comms, it's really like um, managing the reputation of a company. So that could be anything from Crisis communications, where you're dealing with issues, um, you're either like proactively or reactively dealing with issues that can come up, and that's going to look different for whatever kind of company you're working for. Um, you're basically a liaison between the business and the media, so that would mean that someone from the Globe and Mail, for instance, is going to be writing an article on your company. They might reach out to you for comment. They might be writing just more of an industry piece. Is say you work in fashion and for Zara, and they're doing a big piece on fast fashion. So you might have to respond to comment and you're always trying to tell the truth, but paint your company in the most positive light and be able to be like a truth seeker for um, that outlet. And then there's kind of the bucket of PR that I fall more into, which is like a consumer PR, um, more like proactive PR. So If you think about a company and they might have an advertising campaign and a marketing campaign, and they're going to reach you through a TV commercial and a print ad and all of those things, one of the other ways they might engage promotion is through public relations. So that might look like trying to land a product in a gift guide for a print magazine. It might be trying to get um, a spokesperson onto a TV segment. Um, it can really look different depending on the product or the service that you're doing PR for, um, but that that is like at its core what I think it is. And then communications at large is a little bit more um, nuanced and wide sweeping. So you could be doing communications for a particular executive at a company. So at the current job that I work in, there's whole teams, comms teams that work for each executive. So they're going to work on all of their internal communications, their external communications, their social. So that's sort of one arm of it. Um, You could be working in internal comms where you're probably working really close with HR and with other core business functions and finding a way to get the message out, to break through, to reach audiences um, in, and outside of your company. And, um, and then you could be PR Or comms in my previous role to this when I worked um, for Cactus Club. And at that job, some days I don't even think I did anything related to PR. And it was uh, just (laughs) some things that were, I I don't know, helping out the total business
0: or um, helping with sales and marketing. And
1: um, it was just that sort of sweet spot of size of company where you really could wear a lot of hats.
0: That's so cool. Okay. So PR... Reactive versus proactive. I've actually never heard of put like that. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And okay, what about public affairs or shareholder engagement? Where does that fall in? Is that kind of in the comms space? Yeah, that would be internal. Yeah,
1: there's like, so there's a public affairs team. I think everything depends on how large or small the company is you're working working for. So from the agency side mm-hmm. of things, you could be doing proactive PR, lifestyle PR, or you could be doing just some agencies would specialize just in like crisis communications, analyst relations, government affairs, those sorts of things. And that's never really been the the lane that I've been in, but that is an option. So I really look at it the way is like every single company needs a communications function, internal, external, every business needs to be able to speak to its people, speak to its investors, speak to its media. And you're sort of, the communications person who is creating that message for the different audiences.
0: What an important job, too. Like, I think it can be a catch all. Like, I remember for companies I've worked for, it's like, oh, we'll send that to the comms team to write and edit this thing for us. And a lot of it can be a bit of BS, but that's a hugely important function. It's very strategic, too. It is very different. Like, I imagine your days look very different. They do. And what's interesting about it, like, and what's interesting
1: having worked for different places is you really have to get a feel of the kind of tone, um, how they speak, what they say, why they want to say it, what they don't say. Um, And that takes a while. And is probably one of the biggest hurdles when you're moving around and changing. Um, But it's also the best challenge of the job is trying to uh, figure out what that voice is. And once you feel like you've got it, and you can write, communicate, speak like it. um, That's really rewarding.
0: Like, how many exclamation marks are you allowed to put in the paragraph? Well, that's, like, just it. Right now, <laughs> right? as a company
1: that I work for, like, they're okay with, like, swearing in a media material. Um, so, a media material would be, like, a press release or a – and not that they're, like, writing a thousand into it, but it's, it's there. And that was even in the interview what? process as I was reading through their newsroom and trying to get a sense of who they were. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And – it told me a little bit about the culture before even joining the business just from seeing something like that.
0: That's so interesting. Okay. I'm actually thinking also about the person who's interviewing for a job, nothing to do with Kong, yeah. like an accountant who wants to get a feel for the culture of a company. Go through the press releases. Definitely. I've never thought about that.
1: Oh, definitely. It's probably one of the most like public facing parts of the business. And so you're really everything that stands between like the internal company and the public has probably gone through some form of communications channel. Not probably definitely has.
0: So we've got comms and PR 101. That's actually so helpful. And I feel like that sets the stage for just who you are and what you do and everything. Now you've moved and lived in three very large cities, Toronto then Vancouver where you worked at Cactus Club. Now you live in Seattle, Washington. So that was a big move, moving from Canada to the States, working at the biggest company that you've ever worked for. Talk to us about that whole, all the changes, I guess, and how you've navigated that.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's been such a big change and one that I maybe, I don't even know if I was fully prepared for before I came. I didn't have my like site set on any particular size of business or um, kind of company and i'd been in my last role for almost seven years so i was pretty comfortable felt like i knew what i was doing and now i definitely feel um i've been thrown into a whole new world in that the size of the company is so large that you it comes with its benefits of having a lot of different supports like you work on really large teams with a lot of resources and a lot of things that can help with big budgets Uh, but it also means 400 people need to approve something before it gets out the door. And there's all of these systems and processes. And I'm not like the most process loving person in the world. So sometimes I feel just overwhelmed because they have like a process for writing out a process. So it's just, (laughs) I'll read it and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And anyone who knows me would know that that Um, is not the way I like to do things, but it is a good, um, it's a good learning to see just the different sizes of organization and how they do something. And then like, even though it's just across the border, there's definitely cultural differences to living and working in America and understanding the whole new landscape. And um, it's just, it's just really different. It's not it's no better or no worse. It's just really uh, something different that I haven't done before and um, a totally different change from my last role.
0: I can only imagine. And so you had a baby. You actually went back to Cactus Club in Vancouver and worked there for a couple months. And you and your husband, Dan, made the decision. Sorry, Dan, if you didn't want to be put on blast, but (laughs) we're throwing your name out there. (laughs) He's going to hate that. He will. He won't Uh, listen you made the decision, this huge decision to make this move. Like, how did that go? How did that conversation even start? And what were, what was the decision making process to do that?
1: Yeah. I think uh, honestly, that is like one of the easiest things in all of this. So we are Mm. both people that I think don't shy away from change or opportunity when it comes. And we, when, even when, so both times we've moved, moved recently have been because of his job and we moved from. Toronto to Vancouver, um, about five years ago. And then again, uh, moved from Vancouver to Seattle. And I think either time we were just like, okay, let's do it. It's sort of a no brainer. Like let's take the chance and we can always come back. And that side of things has been something that I think we share, um, in our relationship and our marriage. And like, even though we are such different people, um, I think we share that, which has made, the adventure, um, not feel like one of us is pulling the other along, which I think is really important. And I would say for anyone, if they're looking to make a really big change or do something big for their family, like you never want to feel like you're the one that made the decision for everyone and everyone's not bought in. Um, because I would imagine that can feel really challenging. And even now, sometimes I, will like resent him because I'm like, well, we moved here for your job. And I've had to make all these sacrifices and changes. And, you know, you harp on that for sure. But ultimately, I think we were definitely down for just a different adventure and um, seeing what it brought us because having moved so much, we've just really come to realize that you can always go back and you're core friends you'll keep in touch with and people will visit and if it's something that satiates you to change and i do get bored um it can be a really fun adventure but it's a lot of work like (laughs) i will say that moving countries we're still um on the admin side just constantly trying to um get above water
0: The to-do list is... The to-do list, exactly,
1: exactly. They really don't like make it an easy process to move countries and um, build up a new life, but all in a good experience. And you get to really like meet a lot of new people, see a lot of new places. And I I would say the decision to do it was the least scary part. And what
0: has been the scariest part?
1: I think there were a few times when we first moved and we were still in a rental and I was just i i didn't really know anyone yet i didn't have a network of people and i hadn't started my job and i think that like can feel a bit isolating walking around a new place and not understanding where you're going or having your like core network there with you um but it didn't last too long and honestly we found We found people to be like more inviting than we anticipated. And whether that's through work or through friends or through the neighborhood is that I think when you move somewhere and you already have friends, you don't force yourself to go out and make new friends because obviously like no new friends, right? You're like, I've got friends. I'm good. I don't need this. And having to have to make friends actually puts you in a unique position where you meet some really great people. And I think parenthood is good for that, whether or not you move countries or cities or jobs, like it really does allow you to find a different network and put yourself out there in a way that like, it's easy to stop doing. I don't know if you've had that experience too. Like we have such a good group of friends and it can just, you can just keep going and have those same circles, which is amazing. Um, but it also can be fun to just really like get out of your own network and change that.
0: Totally. You kind of get stuck in your own ways. And I wonder, like, was there an element of thinking about Ellie, your daughter, also in this and being like, I we want her to be surrounded by other people and not just the two of us? Like, were you was that part of the the desire and motivation to like really put yourself out there? I know you you naturally put yourself out there though, that is your personality but how does she play into this? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think that was one of the like, we, we kind of wondered what we were going to do for childcare. Are we going to try and find childcare in home? Are we going to try and like, and I think that was one of the reasons we thought, okay, let's maybe try and find a daycare. So she can, she's super social. We wanted her to be able to like go out and meet other kids and maybe meet some other parents. Um, and I think that is something she's only turning to now. So I think that's something that will even in increase more and more um as as they get older and really like start to make their own friends um but it's just it's just i think something that we don't do because it's not really comfortable to go out and meet new people like i i like it definitely more than a lot of people but it's still uncomfortable so i think having had to do it um and then meeting some really great people from all around has been super rewarding
0: Oh, that's wonderful. What a benefit to uh, Seattle to have the Mandels in town. Wow, well, we think so. We're missing you guys a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So can we do a quick sidebar? And can you please tell us and explain to everybody the unbelievable offering that your daycare has? Is it once oh, a month? Yes. In the evening? The Yes. It's per- the coolest thing. So if any daycare providers out there, like,
1: Bring this to your city. Bring this to your city. Bring this to your daycare. Our daycare does um, parents' night, which is once a month on a Saturday night um, from 4 to 9 p.m. You drop the kids off. It's $40, and they get dinner. They watch a movie. You drop them off in their pajamas, and then you can just go out and have – I mean, that's really cheap babysitting. So it's great. We just It's an excuse to go out for dinner. It's an excuse to – go see a movie. Cause it's like, no one wants to get a babysitter to go see a movie, but like, I miss going to the movies oh, no. and, um, um, I miss going to the movies. It's just a really nice excuse to get you out of the house and to, um, like go and do something fun. And just like, what a nice thing that the daycare offers. I just really think many should do that. And I honestly think it's probably a cash cow for them. Like I see like 12 to 15 kids there. Totally.
0: Yeah. I'm like, wait, maybe <laughs> I should host the parents night. <laughs> That's nice. I feel like it kind of. I feel like I was saying to you when you were telling me about that. Like there was a bunch of us girls who visited you visited you in Seattle, and I think all of our collective jaws dropped when you said that. I know, it was and so I was great. like, man, that's amazing because it also kind of forces you, I imagine, Definitely. to get out too. When we kind of get wrapped up in our day to day, week to week routines, that's sure. like the coolest thing ever. And there's just can't like- wait for this to pop up all over North America. Exactly. Okay, Joe, you are in an incredible success story of moving countries, not even just moving jobs, moving countries and landing a job within a week of getting to a new city. How did you do it?
1: Oh man. Well, you helped me. So that was definitely a start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what? I was super nervous about that because not only like the moving countries thing for sure. um, I also hadn't been out there looking for a job in seven years. And Um, that was really scary because I think that is sort of like a landscape that experiences a lot of turnover. And I was like, oh no, I'm interviewing on Zoom for the first time. What does this look like? Um, But as a testament to T-Mobile where I work now, everyone was super friendly and positive like positive and supportive along the way. So it was really nice because I think I just got a good feel for the people every step of the way. And it gave me that like confidence. It was a lot of, um, I had to do a writing assignment. I had to do like, oh my God, so many interviews. I can't even remember. I just remember a lot. Um, and it was it was the week I moved and they wanted some huge writing assignment due the next day after we were moving. but you know, it's like anyone when they're in a really busy time, it just seems to be busier than ever. And it almost makes you like, I don't know about you, but the more busy I am, the more productive I am, the less busy I am in life. I'm just like then flop into like a lazy elephant. So I think that that really helped. But yeah, I genuinely think I just connected with the people and that helped the interview process along and I tried not to worry too much about the fact that no one knew what Cactus Club Cafe was, um, and more just try to sell the kinds of skills and experience that I had, and not get too caught up in that. and And then I had the odd person who did know what it was or had a story that they'd been across to Vancouver and had a Bellini fifteen years ago, and that was really helpful too. Any time where I think you can make a personal connection um, with the interviewer is is super great because um, you just automatically have a rapport. And then I think it's just then you feel comfortable because the more comfortable you feel, the more you're going to be able to deliver what you know. Like I'm not a super, like when my husband Dan interviews, he has like all these pieces of paper and written down examples. And mind you, we work in completely different fields, but I'm not really good at like the memorizing a question and my answer to it and regurgitating all of my examples. I find I stumble more in that. And that could be in an interview or in a presentation at work. Um, the more memorized and rehearsed I am, the worse I do because I get caught up in thinking, oh, I missed a word, or I wanted to actually say that point next. And then I get in my head and almost draw a blank, like, you know, that horrible blank. Um So I just tried to like, get really comfortable and knew I, I knew what I did. I knew what my job was. I knew what skills I had. So try and make it as conversational as possible. But that can be really dictated by the interviewee on the other side too. And luckily they, their format really supported that. But um, I definitely know some that don't. So I think, I think part of it was just truly lack.
0: Of course, like buying a house or renting something, there's always going to be an element of luck, but then there's also strategy and then there's also just, okay, this doesn't apply to the house analogy anymore, but like you're just such an open person. And I think that people feel automatically comfortable with you because you- you are very open. They could ask you a question about anything and you would answer truthfully. I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got some good questions lined up. I was like, Oh, these are questions I can ask Joe. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's and that's how I knew it was like a
1: good bit is I felt like I could be really open and I don't want to work somewhere where they're not like down to be real and open. And that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about cactus was everyone was just the people were so great. Like some of the best people I've ever worked with. And I made lifelong friends and i you have to go like especially when you work at a corporate job you go spend most of your life in that job and if you don't like the people that you sit near and talk to and deal with every day get out like get out the job just can't be that good for you to stay because it's just really important i'd say the most important
0: thing i think so too the good point like so when you're kind of grumbling about like oh i had so many interviews for this job like that's actually a huge opportunity to meet different people, yeah. To gauge what they're like, and also to be yourself. Like I like that point too, because if you're not going to be yourself, if you're going to be who you think T-Mobile, like you probably had all these preconceived notions, yeah, about what a T-Mobile employee would be like. Like you could have rocked in there, like swearing your face off. Which yeah. sure, you swear a bit, but you're not like a truck driver. <laughs> Sorry, truck drivers. Um, <laughs> um, but but if you're yourself and you're being like your open self and hopefully they're coming to the table with that too, you can like truly get a gauge to be like, is there like chemistry here? It's like dating. Yeah, it is. It is almost
1: like blind dating, especially on Zoom. Cause you like, I was super nervous about that because I always prefer in person, just like, I feel like it's easier to make a connection in person versus like logging in and just your head's there. And everyone always tells me when they meet me in person, I didn't realize you're so short. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well.
0: <laughs> it I've is shocking how short you times. are.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whether it's in like COVID and you just met new colleagues because everyone was working from home or in the interview process, I've had it happen to me a number of times. So yeah, it's it really is. You're testing them out. They're testing you out. But you're testing them out while also trying to impress them so it's definitely a nerve-wracking experience like i no one likes interviewing or maybe they do i no. i find it particularly scary but also really rewarding if it goes well
0: yes and another question i have for you that i actually don't think i've asked you and i really don't truly don't know the answer to this like how did you navigate this process Not coming from a place of desperation, or maybe you did like not just taking the first thing that landed on your plate, yeah, for sure. Well, I think I also applied to a lot of jobs, like a lot, and tried
1: to network as best I could. Anyone that knew someone in Seattle, or did they have connections to companies down here? Like, I definitely tried to do that too. I also think it was lucky that just the job market was strong when I was looking for a job, and that made it a little bit easier, but. I don't know. I think it was mostly just back to the people thing and that it felt like I really liked the people and therefore the, the job would be good. And also the, the going back to the principles of like what I was talking about moving and that there's, you can always go back and you can always change things. I think that's a really good way to look at jobs and particularly corporate jobs. Like I think, That is one of the perks of not working for yourself is if it's not a right fit or you want to change, whether that's within the company or leaving the company, you just have a little bit more flexibility to do it. Because I've had so much change in my life, in my career, in my location, I just know that nothing's permanent. And that I think gives me some comfort when navigating a new situation.
0: It's a really good outlook to have. And one that I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable with, but isn't it like, isn't it said that the only thing that's constant in life is change? Yeah, exactly. Truly. Everything changes for everybody all the time.
1: Even like parenthood sometimes too, when you're like in the worst phase or in the best phase, it's like, this too shall pass. (laughs) Like, I tell myself that all the time. Like, it's been a really bad week and you you just know that it's going to be different the next time. So, having that like, -hmm. Ability to move through that and know it can change or be better, I think is comforting.
0: You touched on entrepreneurialism or being an entrepreneur. And I remember the first time you told me that it was something that you were not interested in. And I was actually shocked knowing you for 15 years. I thought, whoa, I totally thought Joe would run her own business one day or has these like secret aspirations to do that. Talk to me about that and what that's like in a world where so many people put entrepreneurialism on this pedestal or feel like everybody's trying to start their own business. Yeah.
1: And I don't, I don't even know what it is about it that, um, I don't want to do. It's hard to articulate. There's just been never a time where I'm like, you know what? I just would prefer to work for myself or I want to build this. And I never feel like that. I guess I don't feel, um, ultra constrained by the businesses that I work for. I like being a part of something that's bigger than myself and I think part of it is that and I I like being on a team and I'm very social and I think probably what of entrepreneurship might scare me is the solitude and the like needing to and I know you don't have to always be an entrepreneur of one like some people are building teams or building businesses but I think the weight of all of the responsibility on you is something that really would scare me. However, it's not to say I wouldn't want it in some capacity in life, like whether there was an opportunity to do something in addition to my job or invest in something. Like I'm, I'm definitely interested in businesses and growing businesses and supporting other people who are doing it um, and learning about the experience. I just don't know if it's something I've ever wanted for myself and. I kind of look at my family and we don't even have a lot of entrepreneurs in my
0: family. Like, I just don't think it runs in my blood, which is interesting. It is interesting to look at who we've been surrounded by too, but you're so clear on your values, like the vibe of something that's bigger than yourself, being a part of a team, collaborating, being with others, not having the sole responsibility. almost sounds like having peers too. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you don't really have peers. Yeah, And you love bouncing ideas with people and having shared experience. And I think for me, you can
1: definitely feel constrained when you work for a company because you can't make all your own decisions. You have a certain amount of time off. Your salary is within this band. You, I mean, you have all of these constraints that are what are placed on you because that's what the working world is. But you also don't have the entire weight of the business on your shoulders. And so that's the flip side of it. Whereas you can take a vacation and you probably do have the ability to turn off a little bit better or um, walk away from your work in a different way than I think if you do it as your own business. No, I've never been an entrepreneur, so I don't, I'm not speaking from experience on that side of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've been talking about it this whole time as well as like change is possible for everybody. Change is possible for entrepreneurs. It's just a little more complicated change can happen for parents. It, we know it's just a bit more complicated. You can walk away from T-Mobile. Like If it's not serving you, to your point, if you got there and the everyone in the interviews were actually just like putting on a face and they were all jerks, which they're not, you can walk away if you wanted, which is a huge benefit that I think we all kind of forget about. 100%. And I think I also get
1: jealous of like entrepreneurs that, I mean, who, who knows how much of this is true? Like what's that age old saying that's like, um, you'll never work a day in your life if blah, 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 blah. It's like you love what you do. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, would I love to feel like that every day? Sure. But I don't know how realistic that is. Like work, work is work. And I'm sure some people like it more than others or like what they're doing or at certain times in your life, even you like it more than others. Like it's just not a linear path. And I think that's, something that parenthood really puts into perspective for you because it's like it has been one of the most important things in your life if not the most important thing outside of probably your family um up until that point and then you have this child and everything shifts and it's at least in this stage of parenthood for me with young kids is it becomes like a duty it's like to go and to like it and to make money and to then go experience like my real joy with with my family and my friends and that that's okay i think right now in this stage in life like i don't need all the agency perks or the like fun work things that i loved in my 20s and got to do and be a part of i don't need that right now so finding a job or a company for like a season in your life i think is important and and on the change front, like it's okay to know when that change is required because you're just a different person than you were when you took the job four years ago.
0: What are the signs and symptoms that you know for yourself, you will feel when this season, say at working at mm-hmm. T-Mobile isn't right for you anymore? Like what are the things that happen to you when you're, when you know you're ready for a change?
1: I think it's like either just kind of not boredom, but like a general, like, feeling. I'm like, okay, I can do this in my sleep or not feeling challenged anymore, mm. um, which mm. I am not in. I feel super challenged every day, almost too challenged. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely that, or um, I think for me, it would be like finding what I love about communication so much is that you really can find any field to work in. Like every, like I said earlier, everyone needs communication. So it might be that there's like a different interest area that I want to go back into or explore, that would be like a signal that I'm needing change or um, it could be anything from like finding a 100% remote, more flexible job if I wanted to be around my family more. I think it just looks different for whoever is looking to make that change and what they're looking for out of their life. I think people can work somewhere too long or leave too fast.
0: It requires a pause. You really have to stop the rat race for a second to be like, yeah, I'm challenged, but I have more to do. Like you're saying right now, I think it would be too soon from our conversations (laughs) and any T-Mobile employees, Joe's not leaving, (laughs) but like it would be challenged, but you're like, no, no, but this is good. Like I'm being challenged for the first time in a while in my career.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that's like, I find, I think that's what I needed. And I knew I needed that, but I definitely still crave the safety net of my old job and I miss the people. So I mean, the grass is always greener in every scenario.
0: Good point. Joe, how are you and Dan making it work with two very demanding jobs? Yours is not a hundred percent remote. Like you alluded to, you do have to be in the office. You have a daughter in daycare. How are you making it all work?
1: Yeah, it's I would say she's sick 90% of the time, especially at this time of year. And it's it's like a joke, but it's like not a joke, because I, I wish that stat were not true. But it is like, she is legitimately sick 90% of the time. So my heart goes out to all the other parents of kids in daycare. Um, people tell me it's gonna get better. I'm like, when we're coming up on a year in daycare? And um no signs of it stopping anytime soon so i'll report back on that one but i would say making it work i think you did a really good episode on some of like the hacks that make your life like easier and better and i think sometimes the more you sort of lean into those things the easier and better it can be so that is like not feeling like you have to make a hot fresh meal every single day of the week and and try to do that as much as you can but if some nights it's either takeout or it's soup in a sandwich or like just keeping it like really simple. I think that can help. I'm someone who like really likes change, but I also really like routine. So, um, trying to stay as consistent as possible. Now this looks different. I've always been a morning person, a morning worker outer, and that like starts my day on the right foot. And I can't always do that still because I'm tired. Cause she'll have, I don't know, been up five times the night before, but I'm not like a rigid routine person, but I do find that like I'm my best self when those parts of my life are happening. So it's that I can either get a really long walk in the morning or run on the treadmill or whatever it is. And that helps me feel grounded in other parts. And then, you know what, some weeks it's just honestly a shit show and it's just trying to stay afloat and you just recognize that um, it's just not going to be good every week. Like you might be fighting because your kid's sick and you guys aren't aligning and everyone has competing priorities and is stressed and it's raining. And you just, you never know. Like I think just giving yourself the grace to understand that some weeks just suck. And just even saying it out loud, like maybe texting your friend or just saying it out loud, you're not looking for them to solve it, but just like, Oh, it's a bad week and I need this one to end. Um, Because I think parents of all young kids are just tired and, most days, just like triaging little crises all day before they go to bed,
0: and then before they go to work, yeah, and then are in doing crisis communication, yeah,
1: exactly. A like billion, billion dollar
0: company, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> the what's good, and I think one of the great things about my both my current and my past role is I've worked for women that have kids, and um they've been super understanding about anything that comes up with sick kids or, um, my daughter, like my current boss, her kids are both in daycare too. So she's living the same nightmare and there's just allyship in that is really helpful. And I think that's part of the reason why the job is a good fit because I don't feel, um, scared about that because I don't, I truly don't know how other people would make it work if you didn't have some understanding around it.
0: That's so lovely that there's, you know, great, Normal people in the world who are leaders who can lead with empathy and be like, yeah, what else are you going to do if your kid is sick? Like, yeah. sure, go work when it works best for you. Get the job. You're still always going to get the job. Yeah, done too exactly. And I know this is different. Like, we work in in the type of work where you can work at night exactly too. And I know there's jobs that uh, you know require physical presence, but um, yeah, we're speaking from that perspective
1: exactly. I think that can be for anyone looking for a corporate job who does have that flexibility. If you are a new parent, I think prioritizing that is just really really important. It's just something you should value even as much as what your salary is because it's going to affect your truly every element of your day-to-day life.
0: It's so so true. And talking about just the chaos of it and you know, living in it right now. This is a question that I feel like I will not be able to ask very many people of whom I don't know as well as I know you, but you're an open book. I know that you would hope to expand your family at some point. How will you know if and when that time is right, given the phase of your career, given all the changes you've gone through and all that? Like, what does that look like for you? How do you work through that? That's
1: Yeah, that is a million dollar question. I think I flip flop on that (laughs) all the time, like weeks where... Ellie is healthy and things are going good I'm like I got this I could have three kids like this is great and then weeks where she's not and work is really busy and I'm like I'm good I just want one and I think I definitely don't think I'm alone there I think it's just very um hard to think about when like I don't know, in an already challenging time of life everyone knows that while another kid brings so much joy they also bring with it so much additional like stress and pressure to the table um and that can be hard to introduce especially once you feel like you've just started to like stabilize in this new normal of having kids to begin with so you know I don't know if I'll ever feel like it's like a really good time or not and just I know I do want another kid so I also think um because in Canada, like last time I took a 14 month maternity leave, which I'm so grateful for, it was an amazing year. Uh, I felt like, okay, this is going to be like a big departure from work for a while and I have to save for it and I'm going to be off. And that then you kind of like put your whole career on pause for a bit. And in America, that's just not really the case. Like you just take so little amount of time to me, like four or five months, Um, it seems like a lot to them here, but it's so little to me. So I almost feel like it's it's not about that time. And it's about just how we'll, after that time, make it work financially and with time management and all of that, because you don't really pause your career here to have a kid and I'll be able to see what that feels like and, and live both experiences.
0: How do you feel about that? We're never really a thousand percent sure about anything in life or any changes. This has kind of been the theme of our chat today. It's like, how do you ever know? We don't know anything with certainty. Yeah. So, like, even getting married or like deciding no, totally. that you want to get married or that the time is right or having your first child, I think there's like a bit of letting go in life that we've, I've learned, <laughs> definitely have learned. And maybe one day Scotty and I will tell our story of having Addie. And yeah. You can't have expectations in no. life. You, you can have choices. And Taylor Aller said that on the episode. I think you listened to it as well on being a multi She was like, You can plan for choices. You can't plan for outcomes. Yeah. And I think that's, there's so much magic in that. And definitely. We can, we just, we're doing our best with the information we have available. And we make the best decisions that we think are right for our family. And we have to put on the big headphones and the blinders and not listen to the crap that other people say.
1: 100%. And just, like follow your own path but it is so hard to do like I would say that's the other thing is it's so hard to not get caught up in that or like think that you're supposed to do these things or talk yourself into or out of something because of that so yeah part of it is just taking a leap of faith and like communicating with your partner and trying to make decisions based on that but part of it is just trying things like you can talk so much about change or what you're going to do or what you want to change but like you really don't know if you like something or don't like something until you do it and a kid is a pretty permanent way to <laughs> explore change but i haven't heard of many people that have gone back on that decision um even though sometimes i've like looked for the return label but most of the time i've <laughs> most of the time i've been pretty happy with the decision
0: Mic drop. I love that. Okay, Joe, I want to do some rapid fire questions. Yes. Okay. First one What do you do to combat Sunday blues? Okay. I would do everything, anything from like if it's a nice sunny day, I'd
1: love to go like get a beer on a patio at a brewery or something because I'm like, the weekend's not over. I can, I should, so I can. Mm. And I try to like adopt that attitude if I can to make it feel like still a weekend day, but that's hard. And then the next thing is just kind of get some of my like to do's I'm not a big meal prepper on I luckily get lunch at work and um, so I don't really have to do that. And that makes me feel almost like my weekend is lost. So that's, that's not really vibing for me. I know it works for other people, but getting like a really big workout out of the way while Ellie naps or go for a really long walk or kind of get some of those like weekday to do's done on the weekend so that your week feels more freed up and you might be able to do some like fun activities in the week.
0: What's a TV show you've watched recently that you enjoy? doesn't have to be like Discovery Channel, like could be something dumb. Okay.
1: Well, I would say my two favorites right now are the second season of the White Lotus. I am a weekly um, watcher of The Voice uh, with Dan and my sister and her partner. So we all chat about that. And I, I like a, like a weekly programming that I can just expect. Like, it's like, it's Tuesday. I'm going to watch the boys.
0: You know what? Bring back the weekly programming. I love, that. right. I like that Netflix and some of these platforms are doing that now. Cause it is not, like, it's nice to have something look, to look forward to. My sisters and I used to have, this is going to date us, but this, my sisters and I used to have breaker high schedule up beside our TV. I think it actually stayed there for probably 20 years, but it was like the days of the week that Breaker High was on. And so we could like tune in. It was so exciting. Yeah. It's nice. It gives you something like habitual to look forward to in your
1: week that just you're like, okay, like uh, Tuesdays at work, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch The
0: Voice tonight. I love that. Okay, next up, especially for the drooling Canadians, what's your favorite item at Trader Joe's since moving down oh, to that? Oh, that's a good question. Um their snack
1: aisle is just so good. Like I really love um the chocolate covered almond butter nuggets. They're like these just like little um Like snack bitey things, I put them in the freezer. But anyone who knows me knows I put everything in the freezer, so that's nothing (laughs) new. Um, They have some really good like raviolis, like a good cacio e pepe ravioli. Um, But they're super seasonal, so like you can kind of go in anytime. And like now it'll be all holiday, and I think I like the pressure of not having to go and stock up. I think that's what I like about it the most is that I can just go and get a few things whereas any Canadian that goes feels like they have to just come back with like a full cart and then I'm like, wait, I didn't even want half of this. So it's nice. I don't
0: even know what this is but I got it. I got it, exactly. (laughs) It's so close, I can just sort of pop in. I'm actually going after this. Okay, final question. What is something that you would say you're still trying to figure out?
1: Honestly, I would say and this is going to be not an easy answer, but figuring out if like communications or PR is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's, I don't know if that's going to come to me one day, or if that's going to take a lot of trial of different things and to figure out, but it's kind of like you fall into a career and you've been doing it and you gain all your experience in that career. And, um, so you obviously look for other jobs in that career because That's where you have your experience. And then some days I'm like, you know, what else is out there? Or do I have interests in these areas and trying to figure out how I can leverage experience, but also maybe explore some new areas of working. I've always loved real estate and kind of like anything to do with the home. Um, I really liked when I worked in food and bev. So, I'm always thinking about that. Sometimes too much, I would say, and it's easy to get in your head. But always sort of looking out for opportunities where I can marry some of my interests with my experience, because um, it's just a long road ahead. Like I'm, I'm turning 32 next week, and like thinking about at least another, oh God, 30 years maybe working. There's just so much out there and I never want to feel just sort of like stuck on the hamster wheel.
0: I think that's cool. I think it's cool to always be evaluated. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming on and so chatting with fun. me today. It is always the best, but it was really cool to actually get to just pepper you with questions. It's different, different in a friend chat than uh, an interview. It was kind of cool to be able to pick your brain like that. I, I learned know. a lot about you. It made me think about a lot of things. I'm like, wait,
1: what do I want to do?
0: We're all figuring it out. Yeah, exactly. Love you. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Love you. Thank you for listening. You can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website, AndreaBar.com/podcast. And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Bar Coaching, and I reply to every DM I get. If you love this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. Thanks again for listening and I'll chat with you next week.